It's about time someone gets real. Bro, are you sure we're even supposed to be listening to this? Welcome to the Church Misfit Podcast with motivational and thought-provoking content designed to push you further personally, professionally, and spiritually. If this don't move you, you might be dead. Here's your host, Catalyst Collective founder, Joe Elliott. All right, we're back for session five. This one was packed. Uh, we had Paula Ferris, Amy Edmondson, and Pastor Michael Todd. Uh, so we're going to break down each of their talks. And, and so just to give you the summary of each of them real quick, Paula talked about how to lead through uh, life's resets, uh, changes that we didn't ask for that seemed to happen anyway, how to take advantage and lead through those situations. Um, Amy talked a, a lot about this idea of psychological safety, how do we create that in the workplace? And and that's a that was she had some very important points that I think every team leader needs to hear. So we'll talk about that. And then uh, Michael Todd was honestly more of an exhortation mm-hmm. for leaders to find their pace. And he mm-hmm. talked a lot about his personal journey and what that uh, what that meant for him. So we'll we'll dive into those individually. Let's start with. Paula's how to lead through life's reset when things happen um, that you didn't choose. So she talks about it in in three kind of in in, in very much Baptist three point sermon. <laughs> yeah, clear. I appreciated the outline. <laughs> Here are my one two three points um, as as Paula laid them out. One, if there's peace, proceed. Two. Expect and anticipate fear because it's normal. Three, give yourself permission to branch out. So let's let's look at that in a little bit deeper sense. So when we're at a point as leaders uh, or individuals where we know something is off or the landscape is changing and we need to make a shift, whether that's a career or something else, um, one of the things that that she's looking for and encouraging us to look for is peace are your are your values clashing uh where where are you finding significance um is your significance coming from something that shifts these are things that create turmoil within you and um and when you're looking at your options what what she's looking for in herself is is a peace um before she proceeds um now i'll I'll just pause there for a minute because I personally struggle with anything that's, you know, I guess subjective. <laughs> and, and this is very, very subjective. And we use this term in the, in the church world a lot. Yeah. Like, do you have peace on this decision? Well, I've had peace on a lot of decisions that have turned out to be a complete catastrophe. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? And then I've, had, I've also had a lot of unrest on decisions that I made that turned out to really grow me. So I don't know how to use peace as a true gauge of whether I should go forward or not. And maybe you guys have different experiences with that. But what do you interpret? How do you interpret if there's a peace, then that's a green light to proceed? Without getting like super spiritual, I'm trying to help. I'm trying to break this down in the yeah. tangible so ways. Here, I'll. I'll- I'll take a stab at it from going from a from a marketing mindset. Okay. Because this is what I was thinking when she was talking about it. And she was asking some of these questions. Do you do you feel trapped 
in what you're doing because you're addicted to um, the job, the, the identity a job gives you or a career gives you? Right. Are you trapped because you're making too much money? Or are you trapped because you don't make enough money? Um, and so it's that whole thing of where do we find our identity? And, that, and sure, we can overly spiritualize that. But let's take a marketing aspect of it. Um, there's vanity metrics and there's value metrics. Mm-hmm. And if you're addicted to vanity metrics, you know, how much accolades you're getting, how many, you know, likes you're getting, all that kind of stuff. Followers, subscribers. Followers, all that kind okay, of yeah. all that kind of crap. Um, then that's not going to lead to peace. And if you are forced to make a change, to make a reset, like she was talking about, or even if you're not, you're just like, well, you know what? I need to make a change, but you're addicted to what I, again, is called vanity metrics. It's going to be hard to find peace in that decision. But if you are really focused on value metrics, like outcomes, um, vision, you know, like, you know, things that give you those kind of like, you know what, um, What's going on in my life on a daily basis um, kind of thing? How are you growing in those things? A lot of those things, those metrics, people don't see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we're actually, that's kind of what Michael Todd talked about a little mm-hmm. bit. And so if you can find peace in those things, that even if things go poorly, you can have peace. And so like yeah. to your point, it's like even if you have peace about something and everything just kind of falls apart on the decision you make, it's all right. If it's based on value, not vanity. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, her second point seemed to almost contradict the first one, but it was expect and anticipate fear. It's normal. Mm -hmm. Fear and peace can coexist. Well, yeah, I think we all experience that firsthand. We can make a decision, and even if there's a higher level of peace than there is fear, there's still uncertainty, Mm -hmm. right? They both are present in almost all of the decisions that we make, Um and, and so we, we do end up asking ourselves a question that Paula asked herself during these situations, which, what am I scared of? Mm-hmm. What's the best thing that can happen? What's the worst thing that can happen? Um, try to think about times when you had fear, but you didn't let it paralyze you, and you still move forward, and, and, and there was a great outcome. Like, you're, you're looking at this uh, decision through a lot of different angles, and that's healthy to acknowledge that both fear and peace exist together. Uh, and then their third point... Give wait, wait, wait. Do you agree that they can coexist? I, I, yeah, I think, okay. that's, I think it's natural. Yeah. I think we can suppress one over the other. Mm-hmm. I think we can pretend we're not scared or we're not nervous or whatever, but it's in the back of our mind. Yeah. And, I think, and that's where the subjective part of when, when another Christian asks you, do you have peace on this? Like, <laughs> it's like... I mean, yeah, it's 12 o'clock, and right now I got peace, but at 2.30, I might have anxiety. You know what I mean? And, and so, and, and if we get spiritual with it, and we're saying, oh, well, then that's not the peace of God. And it's like, come on, man. This is, we are human. Our, our emotions ebb and flow based on what is happening, and you're asking me, to, you're asking me a very emotional question. Yeah. I can have peace it's and all- clarity in some moments. Yeah, and in other moments that will flip to fear and anxiety. I guess it kind of depends on how you define peace. Yeah, you know what the right. connotation okay. of it is. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's good. That's good. I, I, it's it's just it, I don't know. That's a difficult one for me personally, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's a, a difficult one for a lot of people to grasp because there's no clear standard definition of what we mean when we talk about this. 
Um, but I do, I, I love the third point. Give mm-hmm. yourself permission to branch out. Um, and then going back to what we said, she said her, her worth, your worth mm-hmm. is not rooted in your work. Right. Right. Um, you know, so release yourself of that lie as much as possible. And, and that's a, that's a trap we can all fall into. Mm-hmm. I got getting value in things, uh, that are not eternal. Sure. Essentially. Um, and, and give yourself permission to take risks and and move forward and try new things um but the but the question is a lot of times we know we need a change we're just not sure what that change is what are we going if we're leaving something we're going to something else what else are we going to mm-hmm. and, and a lot of times we're not sure and that's why we just stay where we are where, where we're at at the moment whether that's a job a leadership role because the other options aren't really that clear um and then Paula gives us a three-question exercise to start thinking about. Well, if you're looking at options, she says, think about what you're good at, um, what you love, and then what other people would say you're good at and you love. And, uh, and let that kind of give you ideas. Totally. Right. Yeah. Um, now, we have, we, we have a, a more in-depth process to that. I do think that's a great start. Mm-hmm. And um, and it sounds a lot like a, a three column exercise that Aaron. I know I had you, yeah, had you do where you're you're listing out things that you're you you love to do and are good at, yeah, things that you're good at but don't love to do, right, and things you hate doing, right, totally. And so you're you're trying to stay as much as you can in that first column, things that you're good at and love to do. However, I would say that there's more to it than that, right? There's that, that we also should look at things like your personality type, your values, your life experiences. If we add more into the equation here, then we can, we can get a result or an answer that brings more focus and clarity into the path that maybe we're truly called or designed to go down. And so that's... That's in our world. That's what we call the Purpose Project um, workshop and pathway. And so, you know, for those watching and listening, we would love to take you further down that. But um, but if you're short on time and you can't invest in that right now, then I love just falling back to these three questions mm-hmm. as as a brainstorm. Sure. Um, any any other big picture thoughts on Paula's talk? Um, I think she did a great job and just to reaffirm what you were saying, I, I do think that um we we've done a great job here of like while we were watching that I was like, Oh, these are things we do here with the purposepro.org. These are things that we already talk about and I love how um we take it I think kind of even a step further, a little bit more in depth, like you were saying, where um passions I think are even more in in depth than loves are. You're like you love something but you're not passionate about it. It doesn't make you stir at night, it doesn't yeah. keep you up and so um, I, I think that she exuded a lot of emotion. She exuded a lot of um, depth, and she was saying, like, I threw away my dream jobs to pursue what I was passionate about. And I think that could be a differentiation between she loved those jobs, but she wasn't passionate about those jobs. Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of affirmed me. It was like, oh, w- this is timeless wisdom, and we're doing a pretty good job here living that out. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's switch to Amy's talk on psychological safety um so we kind of we had a good laugh about this anytime someone is super smart and they give a lot of science and details and facts and she threw a lot, a lot. at you in a short amount of time 
it's kind of like, man, you should just need, you need to go buy the book and go through it slower. But the big picture idea, and this is, after all, you're listening to and watching a recap video. The recap is very, very simple. Okay, psychological safety is creating an environment in the workplace where people feel heard. Their ideas, their thoughts, their actions have freedom for movement and expression, and that leads to innovation. It leads to all kinds of great things. However, most cultures do not have that built-in psychological safety net because it's all about, as she called it, impression management, right? We're trying to, uh, you know, we don't speak up because we fear looking stupid. We don't take action because we fear getting fired. We don't share the ideas for whatever reason. Our default nature is to play it safe. And so if you're a leader and you're wondering why your team doesn't bring you ideas or thoughts and innovation, if there isn't a lot of healthy debate, it's because you've created an environment within your team that isn't psychologically safe for them to do so. Yep. Um, so, Kenny, you said you geeked out on this one because <laughs> <laughs> you were you were embracing all the science and stuff, and I was just listening to it thinking, okay, I need to do a better job of giving people, creating an environment where people share their thoughts <laughs> and right. we work on stuff together. Well, yeah, and I'm, a, I'm like, a self-proclaimed neuroscience nerd, uh, and, and okay. so I've oh, studied wow. yeah. neurobiological stuff for the past eight to ten years for different reasons. And so, yeah, I geek out on this kind of stuff. So when you're talking about psychological safety, and we've talked about it, we, I've, one of our speakers on you know, an earlier recap was talking about, you know, just that um, it's that fear response that we go to. It's that um, natural instinct to protect ourselves when we don't feel safe. And so when that's happening, and leaders, we, we have to be aware of that. And so, yeah, I was geeking out on that. It's like, okay. If you have that kind of environment, a lot of times we are totally clueless if that's what we've developed. And so, yeah, you got they could be the smartest people around on your team, but if they don't feel safe, they are not operating from the cognitive part of their brain. They're operating from their their uh, survival instinct part of their brain, the reptilian part of their brain, like mm-hmm. we said yesterday. And that's not what you want to create. Mm-hmm. So she has some great tips on that on how to and you know frame the work so that it's you know it's a cognitive type of framing so that people can have this freedom to to innovate like you said and to take risk and all that kind of stuff to to invite engagement so at, learn how to ask good questions such as what do you think you know uh, who has another perspective on this you know, what leads you to think so that kind of stuff and so and what I wrote down is that as a leader, we need to not only create a safe place, but actually teach people how to think that way. Because mm-hmm. the average person in a job, they they don't. They they do the impression management stuff. Mm-hmm. And so and then, you know, she talks about responding productively. So showing appreciative uh, responses to when people do bring up, you know, questions and take risks and stuff like that, and to have forward thinking, all right, so now where do we go from this? So yeah, yeah for me it's like mm-hmm. My response was that, hey, this is one I want to go back and, and dig in deeper, but mm-hmm. it's just that's why we make a good team. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I, I, so for this one, I specifically, I was thinking through the lens of if you're a parent, if you're a teacher, or just, you know, are you a friend to anybody on this planet? Mm-hmm. Like this idea of psychological safety is, is key. 
Yeah. Like how many households right. don't create this environment? And these exactly. kid, kids grew up not fearing to ask questions because of the anticipated reaction they know their parents were saying or that they made a have. mistake or they failed or you know yeah, they, they, yeah exactly. absolutely it's not households are not a safe place <clears throat> for children to bring up thoughts ideas to have healthy debate and exchange it's more rule based do this because i said so or and if you, you don't know, you're going to get punished right. just last night i had to yeah. apologize to my 9 year old son hey i'm sorry that you didn't feel safe today with me because the way I responded to him. Yeah. So you're exactly right. Yeah. You're exactly right. Yeah. And, and so, um, and I think part of that too is as whether you're a, a parent or a leader, whatever, both, um, I think a lot of times we, we're so quick to call out the negative mm-hmm. and not the positive, right? So when the positive happens, it's like it's expected. When the negative happens, we get angry. <laughs> and so if that's the environment at your work, that you're going to discipline and rebuke when things go wrong, and then you're going you're gonna to stay quiet when things go right, then yeah, that's not psychologically safe. Who wants to speak up and be a part of that environment? So, Nobody. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, anyway, that's, that was my, my big takeaway is kind of gauge that for you and the environment that you're in. Do you have an environment that, um, that people feel safe in to bring their thoughts, ideas, to have healthy debate and discussion or not? Yeah. Um, yeah. And if not, what are you going to do about it? And so um, finally, we'll go to Michael Todd's talk on uh, the pace of your leadership um, and, um, and how a poor pace leads to missed moments, meanings, and, and miracles, as he put it, whereas a healthy pace set, puts you in a position um, to really thrive, and, and 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 that's gauging different layers: your your uh, leadership at at home, your leadership mm-hmm. at work, your person, how you lead yourself uh, in your rest and activities, all that kind of stuff. What were some of you guys' takeaways from from Michael Todd, which was again mainly an exhortation? Oh yeah, um, I remember at one event that we held a few years ago. Um, I read a poem that was about integration, not balance that you shared with me. And I, a lot of that was just like screaming off the screen. Mm. Um, like it's not about just trying to juggle everything. It's about holding all together. And one of the examples he, I really liked was, um, after these two very, um, science word heavy speakers Mm -hmm. who were were awesome, he just started playing drums. That was exactly how he he didn't say anything. He just was like Michael Todd and do, 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 do like drums right off the bat. And then he went back to the drums a little bit later, and he said, now imagine all of these different um, pieces of the drum set are different parts of my life, are different parts of my responsibility, are different hats I wear, different roles I wear in my life. And then he started playing them out of, out of sync, and it mm-hmm. sounded bad, and we all laughed. And then he was like, now let's see them work together in synergy. Mm-hmm. And then from that, my favorite thing was he said, music come like creating music, good music comes from working at the same pace. Mm -hmm. And then that was just like, Oh, like these things aren't just balanced. Like they're not just same tone, same hit, same everything. They're integrated where they're weaving in and out of each other in a really healthy way. And, um, I just was really impressed how he used that analogy in such a simple way that so many different leaders that are watching this, that were watching that haven't thought about it like that before. Mm hmm. What's your Kenny? What's your experience been with how you set your own pace in the different areas of life? It's 
that is something that I feel like I'm just now getting a handle on. And um, it's that holistic leadership, holistic discipleship, mentorship that we talk about mm-hmm. here at Catalyst. But um, it's and what I wrote down is finding that kind of pace and that integration, that's a great word, of to where um, the way I lead at home, in ministry, in business, it, it's the same pace to where it's easy for people to follow me. And a lot of times a strong business leader is terrible at leading their family. Mm-hmm. And and it's like it, there's this disconnect holistically, but like with their family, their family doesn't know how to follow them, mm-hmm. you know, or or it, it could be wherever. And so, yeah, it's just um, for me finding that pace that that uh, is is that God given pace for my style of leadership and then finding a way to to sync that up in every area that I lead for me is what, what I'm um, grappling with. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I think I'm starting to get it, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. awareness is the first step of getting something. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's where I've really become very aware of that. And then, um, and then now just learning how to apply it. Yeah. And so, well, pastor Todd's specific advice was one to try and get a vision for what, you feel like the pace should look like for you, knowing it's going to be different for all of us. There's no, he's not giving us a formula for creating a pace as a leader, mm-hmm. um, but try to get a vision for what that looks like for you, then make it visual by writing it down, mm-hmm. and then bring, invite in accountability by telling people of, about it, being verbal. right? Yeah. Um, and, and so I would say for me, my pace is definitely just based off how I know I'm wired, it's fast. Mm-hmm. And I've had people tell me for decades, you can't keep going that fast. You're going to burn out. Well, it's 20 years later. I am not even close to burning out. That's the pace at which I run. And so it's it's a good pace for me. Doesn't mean it's a good pace for you or anyone else. But what that means is that in that faster pace, I do need to be more intentional about weaving in a healthy balance of activities and goals. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and that may, could be family, could be personal, could be whatever, spiritual goals. Like, I can run at a fast pace as long as I'm not neglecting key aspects of, of life. Um, the other thing, so. too, is that can your team follow you at that pace? And that's, that's the balance. You know, and I, I'm a basketball fan, as I know you are. Right. Russell Westbrook. Yes. He plays fast. Yes, he does. And if he's on a team that cannot match that pace, mm-hmm. it ain't going to work. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's that's the takeaway for me is that, okay, how do I find a pace that works for me as a leader for the people that I'm leading? Yeah, you know? and, and I, think, I think on a basketball team, that's a great analogy. I think it would be wrong of me to, to set a pace for myself and then expect everybody else mm-hmm. to keep that same exact pace in all areas that they do now we can set goals and we can set high standards and we can say hey we're all we're all this is what we're going to do and and set timelines and all that kind of stuff but i got to recognize that where i might want to buckle down and tackle this in three days the rest of my team you know might need five to six days Mm -hmm. to do the same thing and so as long as I allot for that as a leader, I can still run at my pace mm-hmm. and not stress out everybody else around me. So there, I think I feel like there sure. is a balance Absolutely. Yeah, totally. for this. 
So I, I loved how he said, um, "Poor pace produces missed moments, missed mm-hmm. meaning, and missed miracles." Yep. Yeah. Um, that just goes along with like every like the streamlined message of all of this is leadership because you know it's the global leadership summit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just loved how he touched on like Sadie Robertson section. He touched on the person right before talking about peace. He touched on like um, the guy yesterday talking about um, like this whole pace is very similar to like running a marathon or running a sprint like you, you can't have a sprinter's body and then go try to run 25 miles yep. like it just doesn't work like that and so i liked how he was saying um in that leadership with your followers and that leadership with people above you communicating um your pace and i wrote down setting a pace being verbal about it leads to longevity mm-hmm. and it's saying like hey i can't do that this quickly and there's definitely been times where um like I've butt butted heads with you because your pace is 120 miles an hour and you're like, I need this project done. And I'll be like, it's, it take me four days. And you're like, why can't you do it today? And I'm like, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. It's just, we have different paces and just learning about that and learning about pace directly affects peace. And then peace is true prosperity. And I think that's organizational prosperity. And I think that's pretty, it was just, I was really impressed by his just very pragmatic approach to this whole conversation. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Um, a lot to take away from session five. Um, so, again, if you're somebody who is, is knowing you need a change, but you're not sure what that change is, then we encourage you to check out PurposePro.org and um, you know, take a look at, at registering for our private workshops where we can walk you through that and, and help you find clarity and focus in these areas. So, all right, we'll be back for session six pretty soon. For more free content from Joe and his team of church misfits, visit www.catalystcollective.community.